Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestoninzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. One of the biggest challenges a sales professional is getting the attention of our prospects. In a world of content saturation, when you think about how much content our buyers can engage with today, our ability as sellers to get our prospects' attention can be very difficult. Even in a world where sellers inquire an inbound lead, our ability to get them on the phone, to engage with them is actually really tough. Now, combine that with all the sequencing tools, the technology that is now available for sellers to engage with their prospects has 10 x The amount of emails our prospects are getting is increasing every day, but yet the data shows us the open rate is decreasing. Our ability to get them to respond is decreasing. And this week, we're joined by the email guy, Will Allred. Will is the co-founder of Lavender, which is a platform that helps sales teams write better emails and writes them faster. It essentially evaluates your emails before you hit send. And why is that important today? Because look, the great thing about selling in 2021 is that we can really evaluate. There's so much data to tell us the type of emails, how long they should be, subject lines, how short, like how direct. We've got so much data to tell us what does a great email look like? Now, if you're a sales professional trying to master the art and master the craft of selling, you've got to be looking at the data. You've got to be researching and seeing what's working and what's not. And then you've got to be sending your own emails and really evaluating what's working and what's not. Because, you know, today in a world, like as I said before, in a world where there's so much content, as a sales professional, you're also a marketer. In order to keep your pipeline full, in order to keep an abundance of opportunities coming through, you need to be proactive and reaching out into market and running specific campaigns to your target audience, trying to engage them and get their attention. The whole premise of cold emails, the whole premise of cold outreach, of prospecting is not to sell to your prospects. It's to get their attention and start a conversation. And that's why this week's episode is an incredible episode because Will has, he's going to share some data with us. He's going to share some tactics that you can employ immediately to help you with your cold outreach. Now, the other thing, if you want more, if you need help with your prospecting at Sales IQ, we've actually got a program that's all about helping you create pipeline. We have sellers that are, that are achieving amazing things. We heard recently from Alice from DocuSign who's part of our program. Now we have some spots available for our next cohort. So if you're interested, hit me up on LinkedIn, send me a DM or go to www.salesiqglobal.com. Check out the program, the Create Pipeline program and jump on because I'll tell you in 2022, the opportunity for you to create pipeline is sitting in your own hands. It's a fantastic opportunity to really upskill and learn how to really four, five, six X your pipeline so that you never have to worry about not having enough opportunities in your pipeline and de-risk you from hitting your target. Welcome to the show, Will. Hey, it's great to be here. I appreciate you having me, Luigi. 
Yeah, pretty excited, man. Your backdrop looks amazing. I don't know, you know, what part of the world you're at, mate, but it's looking pretty, pretty sexy. Yeah, man, down in Florida. This is my uh, my virtual office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, man, I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about, you know, the topic of, you know, emailing. I think for, for, for most sellers in 2021 and moving into 2022, I think we've all been pushed into a virtual environment where emailing our prospects and using an omni-channel approach to engaging prospects and trying to bring on customers is is a must now you know it's not something that pre-pandemic we could have kind of got away with it but now we need to really understand how to write emails that engage our audience so i'm excited to talk about how do you do it you know how do you create cut through in a really noisy marketplace but before we talk about that topic i would love to learn a bit more about you and you know your entrepreneurial journey and how you started Lavender. Yeah. Um, so I, prior to meeting my co-founder, was working in consulting in Atlanta. So we were doing digital marketing strategy. So like I, I owned a lot of the execution aspects. So I had gotten super familiar with the marketing tech landscape, the implementation of those tools and actually putting them into action. And so when I met my co-founder at a hackathon in Atlanta, he pitched an idea. Are you familiar with Crystal Nose, Luigi? Yeah, I love that. Love that tool. Yeah. So he pitched a similar idea. Um, and the idea was what if marketers could have that same kind of insight at scale? I thought about it for about three seconds. I actually come to the event to pitch an idea that I had been cranking on. And when I heard other Will, Will Balance talk about this idea, I was like, I've lived this problem. I know exactly what he's trying to get at, which is when it comes to producing content, most of it's guesswork. And so, yeah, I fell in love with the idea came up to him and I was like, you've got a brilliant plan to win this hackathon. I'm going to join your team. Um, what do we need to go do next? And he was like, well, we need to recruit some developers. So we went and got a couple. We ended up you know, basically working nonstop. We won that, that weekend hackathon and we jumped into it full-time building a marketing technology company. That was in yep. May of 2018. And so we built that for about two years, had some fantastic clients, groups like Gravity Blankets, Yamaha. We had a stellar pipeline building up, particularly around the automotive space. And COVID kind of came through and, and wiped a lot of what we were working on out. As we were building, though, we came across some interesting trends around, you know, this data is cool, but what do I do with it? How do I take action on it? And it actually finally evolved to one customer sitting us down and saying, listen, psychology segments are cool, but can you just take all that fancy voodoo that you did on our content and tie it back to actually what performance is? And so that was really like the birthplace of Lavender was us recognizing, okay, we can take all these content analytics and help people create better content. So we did it with Facebook ads to get started. We applied it to um, an e-commerce group's Facebook ads and we doubled their return on ad spend in a week. Basically like unsure tones, the length of the language, the complexity, all these things tied back to how much they were spending on Facebook. And so we were like, well, here's some better ads, go run them. And yeah, we were kind of off to the races. We were like super excited. COVID rolls around and, you know, pipeline is like, you know, Mercedes gives us a call and they're like, hey, we're not investing in any sort of marketing spend right now whatsoever. Like we get those calls on repeat and we're like, okay, wow, that sucks. What do we do? I'm up in New York. We're having basically me and my co-founders were just sort of meeting nonstop about it. It's like, okay, what's our game plan? 
what do we what do we think is going to be the future here and we sort of sorted through it long enough and we realized like people are going to have to go remote and people are going to be apart and so digital communication is going to become much more important so what are some things that we could pull together to add value into that conversation so basically the first version of the product that we built out was you know insights on the person you're reaching out to so like almost like we sort of viewed it as like caller ID, where it's like you get a message it's like who is this and then the ability to actually write better content and so what that started at for us was a letter grade and a sense for yeah what about your email was good and what was bad so like it's too long or it's too complicated or it's overly formal versus informal. We'd actually built out some interesting models around like, do, do you sound more masculine versus feminine? And also like, how do you come across? So we had this like cool, like spider graph thing that like showcase, like you're speaking in like unsure tones and like, you've only got a little bit of happy tones and that product, we heard feedback that we had never heard before with our marketing product, which was, this is really cool. I actually liked using it. So before people were just like pumped that we were giving them positive results. And they were like, I'll deal with using terrible software or whatever. Yep. If it gets me good results, it gives me good results. Now we were doing good results, plus people loved using it. Quote unquote, it was addicting to get an A on an email. And we we're like, <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but like, this seems like something we should really lean into. And that was my co-founder, actually. I was, I was still like partial to the idea of sticking with the marketing product and you know we talked about it and it's like yeah let's do it let's let's lean into this email use case and yeah we we tested out a few different icps things like recruiters job seekers like we still offer the product for free to students and job seekers because we recognize that, like sending a cold email when you need a job like yeah. hey that's really stressful it's a really important email mm -hmm. so we want to be there to support you but yeah, we tested out all these different like ideas. We looked at customer success, customer support. We actually still have some customer support teams still using the product, but what we found was sales teams like loved it. And not only did they love it, they would talk about it on LinkedIn. And so we just like leaned into that. We've been building for that sales use case ever since. And yeah, over the next year or so, we, we really just like hammered in on that. Yeah. So this is a pretty cool story, right? Because you you started down one path and obviously I don't think anybody could have prepared for last year what happened and no. that kind of really impacted your business's strategy or the direction that you were going in. Yeah. And you made a choice. And mind you, I was the stubborn one. My co-founder was uh, a lot braver than I was in the face of this. Yeah. And he was like, listen, we need to pivot. We got to try something new. We've been working yeah. on this for years. It hasn't taken off. This is our moment. Let's try it. And for that two-year period, were you sinking your own cash into development or did you have, did you raise some, you know, some seed funding? My co-founder talks about this. We have some angel investors who have supported us since the get-go. And one of the, using his words, not mine, one of the scarier emails that we've had to send is, hey, you invested in us to build this. We're changing everything and we're going after this new market now. It's a freemium, you know, email widget. <laughs> like that, that whole conversation, like, it's, that's a tough one to have, right? It's like, you've invested in like, 
you know, our ability to like personalize the internet to how someone thinks to an email widget, it doesn't seem nearly as big, right? But what we've been able to prove is, you know, we focused in on a specific enough problem that people are having that we can actually, you know, generate some really solid outcomes and positive returns. Did you use your tool? to kind of write it to see how should you write it? <laughs> yeah, as, a, as an internal joke we have, right? If I ever send a message over to Will and Casey or like vice versa, the first question yeah. back is, well, well, did you use the product? <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did Lavender think? Yeah. And so yeah, we, we've you know, quote unquote eaten our own dog food from the get-go. That's awesome, man. I think, and I think for, for many sellers, for anyone, this, is, this story is one that they could probably listen to a couple of times because that whole area of change and pivot, I think, I think for the sales industry, and I've been working in this industry for a long time. I, I kind of, that's my only, my only job in, in the past 20 years since I was sort of 17. And I think you get kind of two types of, of people in our sector, right? you've got the types that are just continually, like they're always looking for ways to improve, change, adapt, pivot. And then you have the ones that kind of say, well, if it's not broken, why fix it? Well, I've been doing this for a long time. Why should I think mm -hmm. about change? And yeah, there's, there's a third layer that you might not be thinking about, but I look at a lot, which is we, we have like a free tier and a free trial of like all the premium functionality. And yeah. there's a certain type of sales rep probably overlaps really heavily with that one that's changing and evolving that actually will invest in themselves regardless of what the company does. That is, and, that is a huge differentiator that we've seen. And to be honest, I put that in, I put myself into that category. My company ever paid for LinkedIn, like, mm -hmm. you know, all the, the data enrichment tools that I've ever used. It was something that I paid for myself, you know, books and all that sort of stuff. So I think you're actually right. There is that that one that will just own their own investment, own their own journey. So we'll go back. So you, you made a change. You, you sent an email to your, your angel investor and said, Hey, we need to change. They backed you. And they, they were yeah. super supportive, which was fantastic. Did you, and you had to raise more funds to say we need to make this. Uh, yeah, we raised a few more. Yeah. We brought on investors like Scott Lease, awesome advisors, not just investors into what we're doing, but yeah, everyone who's been on board has been super supportive and super helpful on the way. It's been fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so talk to us a bit about sort of the whole premise, because I think, I think you know, the biggest challenge that salespeople have today is they're sending emails and we see the data that the emails are being deleted before they're being read, right? So one of the biggest challenges that we have as sales professionals is getting the attention of our prospects. And if we have a quota, if we're carrying a quota, if, it doesn't matter how good our marketing team is, we're not going to have enough inbound to keep, to keep us full to actually three, four times yeah. you know, get coverage in our pipeline. We have to be self-generating. Yeah. So email as cadence with phone and, LinkedIn, et cetera, is a critical part of, of, of any sales professional's role today. So talk to us a bit about how Lavender helps. What, what makes a good performing email that will get somebody's attention? Yeah, it's a very complicated email to answer uh, <laughs> or complicated question to answer about email, even though it seems simple on the surface. So at Lavender, we, we think about how can we help someone write a better email and how can we help them do it faster? So everything that we do is through those two sort of litmus tests. Now, when you're doing that, 
you have to think about who you're writing to, yep. what you say, and how you say it, along with how quickly you get all that stuff out the door, right? You brought up an interesting tidbit about most emails are getting deleted before they're read. The average amount of time that someone is going to spend reading your email is 11 seconds. And within that 11 seconds, the first three, there's a huge drop-off where they basically give it a look and then they decide to delete it. And so if you're thinking about what makes for an email that's actually going to get read, replied, and responded to, it is short, it is simple, and it is actually written to the person that you're writing to. People can sniff out a template from a mile away. You think about yeah, how someone's going to read through whatever you wrote in 11 seconds, they're not reading for comprehension. They are reading for categorization. And so if you use big bulky paragraphs, if you have big long technical words, or yeah, you ask for 15 minutes, all of these things lump into their brain as either this is a lot of work, or this is yet another bad sales email. It could be the most relevant email you've ever written. It could be fantastic. But they just see it as like, oh, it's a lot of work. Like, I don't know why they reach out. I don't know. Or it's, you know, they use something like, hey, you have 15 minutes to talk about it. And they see that before they've even read what's within the email. And they immediately discount it as they lump you in with all of the other bad emails that they've gotten. Yeah, I tell folks as soon as I see that in their writing, like, okay, you just cut your chance to get a meeting in half. It's just like, okay. Mm. Dude, that, that hurts. Hate to see it. You know, folks will talk to me about like, you think about what the outcome of using our product is, right? You spend less time writing an email that's half as long and is twice as simple. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's really our goal is to help speed up that process to write a simple, shorter email because people are getting more and more inbound than they've ever gotten. And their ability to sort through that information is just diminished. Like, I think the latest stats I was reading is like outbound since March of 2020 has gone up like some 120, 150%, whereas reply rates are down like 40%. And so our ability to actually parse through all that information is just diminished. And so we have to meet them where they are, which is, you know, the inbox is a glorified to-do list. And you've got to write in a way that speaks to that. So just go back, outbound's up by 150% and email open rate is down 40%. Replies are down 40%. Replies are down 40%. That's amazing. And I think, you know, what that, that, that there should serve as an opportunity for sellers to really think about how they're structuring their emails. And I think, you know, when you look at your platform, it obviously, it scores a whole bunch of things like questions, complexity, edit, mobile editor. Talk to us a bit about those sort of the things yeah. it does and why sellers should really think about how they structure their emails, yeah. one line versus paragraph. What does it mean? Yeah. So the mobile editor is a great one to bring up because if you write a mobile friendly cold email versus a non-mobile friendly cold email, mm. you're 25 times more likely to get a positive. Yeah. The initial impression, I'm sure your phone is exactly where mine is, which is right next to your yep. computer. You you're right there. Yeah. That is where you are eight times more likely to have your initial read of an email as yep. your first impression. And so we all know first impressions matter. And you show up in their inbox with some like giant eight line wall of text. They're going to be like, nah, forget about it. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to read this. I don't want to bother with this. Whereas, cause you catch them between meetings, they're busy. They don't have time for that. Whereas if you catch them on like a very cleanly formatted, you know, mobile friendly email, they'll be like, oh, let me give that a read on my laptop. 
and mm. they'll open it up and it'll be like line, 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 which like feels weird to send, but it's really easy for them to scan. And so yeah. all of that just goes back to you're making it easy for them. You make it easy for them to sort through your information. One piece of advice that I always give sales reps is after they've met with someone or after they've had the initial conversation, your subject line should just start with your company name. You're, you're like shooting yourself in the foot because the way they're going through their inbox, right, is they're scanning for names they recognize and threads they recognize. And they're trying to pull in, like, what do I need to get done on my to-do list? And you're now in, in their vendor management kind of category within their brain. Mm -hmm. You're no longer cold, right? So start with the name of your company so they can be like, oh, shoot, there's Lavender. Follow up from our call. Perfect. They'll open it as opposed to, I was on a call with someone the other, just this morning. They're showcasing the open rate for their post-demo follow-up email was like sub 50. And I'm like, Dude, because you're treating it like a cold email. It's like you, this like subject line is five words and it's got a question in it, including their first name. And I'm like, all you've triggered to them is you've sent them a cold email. That's how they're going to categorize it. Like Luigi, if I send you an email and it says, Luigi dash, need to set more appointments, question mark. What do you think that email is? Well, I know it's, they're going to try to sell me something. Exactly. They're going to try to pitch me and I'm getting a more mad. I'm, I'm getting hammered. I mean, I'd love to, you know, this is a session for another day, but I'd love to show you some of the emails that I'm getting, which are like that. And then it gives me kind of, you know, this is what we do. These are the features like, it, and it's just a drowning. I, I got one the other day. It even had their rates of things. I'm oh, like, it's mate, it's horrible. Um, yeah. Well, it's but, like you, I get why the seller does this, right? Yeah. One, Okay, maybe it just comes from marketing and they're just hitting send on it because they're lazy. Okay, that's one assumption. The other assumption is the rep doesn't know any better. And the rep yeah. is thinking, I need to be comprehensive so that this person on the other end knows what they need to respond to. And yeah. the problem with that mentality is it's very you-centric and you think yeah. that they have this kind of time. It's not there, it's not it's not centered around the triage that they're doing within their inbox. Yeah. And so instead you just have to flip that mentality and recognize that, you know, things can happen after the response too. You don't have to get it all out there. You're not going to close the deal in one email. You know what you've, you've just like, again, for any, any, any of my listeners listening to this, this is, this is gold because I think where a lot of, where I'm seeing a lot of sellers get wrong is they're trying to sell in that first email, when it's not yeah. about the sale, it's about just firstly getting their attention and piquing their interest to want to learn more. Right. Yes. And the best emails that I've written and, and I try to get it to the top as, as, as high as I can go from a C level perspective, they are, you know, the first line is essentially, I'm trying to find something that connects me to them to reason for me reaching out. I personalize it. Right. And I give relevance. The second line is two or three outcomes that I believe they're thinking about in their role. And I think about the ICP and the buyer persona. Mm -hmm. And then the third line is the CTA, which is like, when can we connect to discuss, right? Yeah. Um, and I, would, I would advise you to push instead of three things, I would just do two. Okay. There's, two. there's something about the binary, right? If I say, Luigi, do you want to go to Chick-fil-A or McDonald's? It, <laughs> You might be like, dude, I don't want fast food, but you've responded. <laughs> Your only yeah. goal is to generate a response. There's something about the binary that just creates and elicits this need to reply. 
where it's like, oh no, I don't use either of those tools. Hey, are you in sales after outreach? Actually, we use Outplay, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, like I've gotten a reply out of you, the conversation. Yeah. And that's what a lot of reps don't realize is like, it's not just the cold email where that is a factor. It's all the follow-ups. Mm. You're not you're not trying to sell them in every single follow-up either. And so like they follow up in the first email and it's like all the information. Now, what do you say in a follow-up, right? Yeah. But it's even more tempting in like email three, email four to like start to get into your head and be like, okay, whatever I'm saying, it's not resonating with Luigi. I need to offer more information. I need to be more comprehensive so that he understands really what it is that I offer so that he can evaluate this is important or not. And all you're doing is just diminishing your chance of getting a response across that cadence. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I think about it as like, regardless of where you're in the cadence, your only goal is to get a reply. Yeah, it's, it's, and this is awesome, Will, because last week I interviewed um, somebody that we were coaching from DocuSign, and he hit 180% above target last quarter. This mate, <laughs> and you know what's awesome about this, actually? I've got to drop this episode for you to listen to because he was the same. He was actually a professional rugby player in the UK, got injured right before COVID. COVID hits, got no job. His career's over, right? He's like, this is all I ever wanted to do. Lands a job in sales, gets two weeks of training. He's like, off you go. <laughs> um, and yeah, here's your phone, <laughs> here's your sequencer, off you go. So, and we've been training him for a while. It's been, he's just, he's just such an awesome, awesome, awesome guy, right? And basically takes everything we talk about, ditch the sequence, and decided to run his own cadences, booking meetings with CFOs. So not just, you know, like really high level. What was interesting, he said, I'm getting the, the getting the most response between touch 14 and 18. So like the fourth email, right? The fourth to mm -hmm. fifth, because he's also doing an omni-channel and he's bringing triggers. So further triggers into the third or fourth to say, you know, if he's thinking to himself, okay, if the first or second trigger wasn't 100%, what else could it be? And he's getting engagement and he's getting people saying, mate, really sorry. I didn't respond to He's making them short. Right. And we're going to do it. It was just awesome to hear him talk. And he actually said something really unique, which I loved was, so he said, if they're not responding, it doesn't necessarily mean they don't want to talk to me. It just might mean they haven't got to the message first. And if they're not responding to me, there's a high chance they're not responding to my competitor. So if I keep going, and wait for that valid no, my competitor is going to stop, right? So he's really got this awesome growth mindset about him. But just going back to you, what you were, what you were saying before, I see that I actually get them, you know, and you can see they're a sequence because then they in Outlook it clusters them one, two, three, four. There's usually four days between. There's been no phone call or anything in between. No LinkedIn. They're not <laughs> viewing my profile. I get the emails and. Some, sometimes I'm not even threading them. So I can't look like lucky, you know, outlook is sort of <laughs> clustering them and they're just repeating the same thing. And then they're going into the fourth email. It's like, if you're not the person in your organization, talk about this, who is, I'm like, but I haven't seen any value in the first three emails. Why would I then send you to somebody else in my organization? Well, and you, you brought up Justin earlier, who's been an awesome advisor for us. And um, yeah, a lot of his thinking has permeated into how we've started to do outbound. So historically, we haven't had to touch a phone or an email cadence because 
frankly, we get a lot of inbounds, more than we can probably handle. And so as we're now, just now, touching outbound, we've built out a very simple cadence. The key to it is we've done a lot of segmentation up front so that we can get away with scaling a lot of this personalization. But working with our advisor, Christina Finsa, we've built out a four-touch sequence that books a 12.5%. All we do is send four emails over like a 10-day stretch. And it's very simple. It's, here's a cold email. You're probably dealing with one of the following problems. We've got a solution for it. Worth a chat. Second one is it's a value add follow-up. So instead of like a bump or anything particular, it's, yeah, hey, do you follow Sales Hacker? They just had an awesome blog that they published. The VP of Sales and Segment is using templates in a very unique way. They're not actually templates. They're frameworks. It's correlated to this increase in outreach. Given you manage a pretty sizable sales team, I thought you'd find it interesting. By the way, worth a chat about what I say in email about. Third email is just like a deeper dive on the first one. It's almost like a clarification, but just kind of saying the same thing in a different way. Then the fourth, and it makes me cringe, but damn it, it works, is a breakup email. It says, Luigi must have like, I've reached out a few times now to no response. My timing must be off. Yeah, I think the, the last line is like, if I'm wrong and you still want to chat about improving email quality, yeah, shoot me a note back. But to get yeah. a breakup email that early, it creates this interesting like pattern break. Yeah. And we get so many response that that email and the cadence gets the most replies. And the response is, hey, meant to reply, <laughs> but just been busy. Let's catch up next week. It's like on repeat. And like I credit Christina for the brilliance because I don't have time to build out all these things, but yeah, that's it, pretty awesome. I, it's funny on the breakup email. I just built one for a client and I put, you know, Millhouse throwing a Frisbee from the Simpsons to himself and he just ran around <laughs> like, it's going to be lonely here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's been getting some really good results for them. Like just getting a bit of comic, but just, okay. So going back to that, right. So you're using, Four-step email. And again, for my listeners, I just want to know, like Omnichannel, you've got to be leveraging the phone and other ch channels as part of your outreach. Obviously, what yeah. Lavender are doing. Luigi, is we're, we're a four-person team. We don't have yeah. <laughs> the capability to go Omnichannel. So we had to get really good at writing good emails. Yeah. That said, yeah, obviously, as we scale up, we'll go Omnichannel. We'll do all those yeah. things. Yeah, we'll probably use a lot of the same mentality. Think about what we're going to do. I think about it, cadence design like a hit class. It's a sprint. Yeah. So I'm putting you through four emails and I'm like, you're out. And yeah. I'm just letting you know, you're out. Um, what I'll do is I'll recycle you back in yeah. 60 or so days later, enough time for your spam filters to forget about me and enough time for honestly you to forget about me. And then I can come back with a new reason to reach out. Mm. Yeah. So this is interesting, right? And, and obviously you're using a sequencing tool for that. Yeah, oh, we are. Yes. Yeah, what sequencing tool do you use? So I'm not at liberty to say, but it's one of our partners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, because obviously we're big, obviously a big fan of like, you know, the outreaches, the sales lofts and lem lists. I like lem lists. I've used lem lists a lot just because of the simplicity of the platform. But I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned through this journey that I've been on over the past couple of years of sending cold emails is I was that person that thought I had to really you know, make it sound serious, make it sound smart, make myself sound smart, write lots of information. And the minute I had that, that it, not epiphany, but I completely changed the structure of my emails, short, yeah. 
straight to the point, minimize the kind of the CTAs. Just, yeah. you know, I found like reply rates, click rates just went through the roof. And I know, I know that, you know, click rates and open rates are the main metrics we should be looking at, right? I think if we're in sales, we need to see, well, how many of those lead to some form of, of booking? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we need conversations. So, and, and, you know, obviously your, your platform looks at the complexity uh, of how to, how to reduce the complexity of the email to write at a, a fourth to seventh grade reading level. Talk to us about why the complexity of the email needs to be at that fourth to seventh grade reading level. Yeah. It's a, it's a great thing to call out. Think about, you think about that inbox triage I mentioned earlier, right? You get yeah. all this down, you're trying to sort through it. Most emails, literally 70% plus are written at or beyond a 10th grade reading level. So you've got sales reps, as you described, trying to sound smart, sound like the smartest person in their inbox, sound like I know everything that I'm talking about. You need to be using this. It is complex, super cool, but also easy to use and like integrate into blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, all this extra stuff that doesn't actually matter. The reason simple emails win is because if you write, if you take your email from a 10th grade reading level down to a fifth grade reading level, reply rates, positive reply rates go up 31%. So it's like, why, why are you bothering with anything else? It's just like, take all the commas and just like cut them from your writing. Like try to write an email without a comma, try to write an email that takes, you know, less it's less than 75 words just like put these like barriers on yourself when you're writing you'll start to recognize how much stuff you take out of your writing and how much more you focus on hey luigi i imagine you're dealing with the following thing based on an observation we've got a simple solution that fixes that want to talk about it right it's observation you know based off of that observation implication of a type of problem that they might be facing yeah. and then yeah what you do to solve it followed yeah. up with an interspace cta it's pretty simple and do you use like any copywriting frameworks like the ada framework or is your is your system kind of looking at any of those copyright frameworks when it's um, you know, scoring the email we've talked about it but today it actually doesn't no it's it's based strictly on just a lot of these psychology metrics of yeah. uh, really it comes down to what's known as cognitive load. So like okay. how much information the human brain can process at any given time, probably like three to seven things. So like, if you're thinking about that, it's like, you just got to simplify it down in your email because you're definitely not one of those three to seven. And so yeah. you're meeting in a place where you've got very limited functioning brain capacity. It doesn't matter mm. if you're reaching out to a PhD rocket scientist or you know, chess champion or, you know, an entry-level SDR. doesn't matter. You're getting the no, same. No, absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, you mentioned crystal nose earlier, and I've been a big fan of DISC for, for a long, long time. The platinum rule, you know, treat others the way they want to be treated from Dr. Tony Alexandra is a great book. And he's, you know, one of the, the key people around DISC in the world. And one of the things that I loved about that is, you know, me, whenever I see an email that comes in my inbox and it's fucking massive, even if it's from a customer or, or somebody I work with, I, I, my mind just blows up, right? Because I, I struggle to really read it. It's just, just too much information, right? And so, you know, first and foremost, I think I, I love the fact that 
you know, you're talking about, we've got to reduce the complexity within an email because especially on mobile, if it's just massive long, it's going to disengage, you know, people get disengaged. And some of the stats that you're talking about are huge. There's a couple of things with desk. Yeah. I mentioned we spent two years building out site powered tech, right? And yeah. so disk is fantastic at telling you how the other person mm. is likely to communicate, but it doesn't necessarily tell you how they like to be communicated with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you think about personality, the psychology community really leans on what's known as ocean. So it's a five-factor personality model. DISC yeah. is made up of two of those five. So you're looking at someone's agreeableness score. So how likely they are to be more people-oriented versus task-oriented. And then the level of extroversion that they have. There's only two out of the five. Mm. How they actually process and internalize information is driven largely by how conscientious they are. Are they hardworking? Are they more open to new ideas? So openness is another one. And then how neurotic they are. And it's a, almost think of it as like a volatility index as far as like how people respond under stress. And so if you look at like, say my crystal nose score, I haven't looked at it in a while, but I know I was looking at it one time and it had me down as this like hard driving, like driver personality or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, that ain't me. and the reason is because yeah as an entrepreneur i do a lot of work i'm under a lot of stress and so that's how i communicate when i'm trying to get get shit done right and so it picks up on that but it's not how i like to be communicated with yeah Uh, and so it's just something to be mindful of what's Mm. what i love about a tool like like a crystal like this personality psych tech is it it opens you up to be more aware to how Mm. you are coming across and that is so impactful and that is what we found coming out of the gate with Lavender is people were like, oh, I actually have a sense of awareness for how I'm coming across to the other person. They think I'm going to, this. they're going to read this and think I'm unsure. They're going to read this and think I'm, you know, overly aggressive or I'm coming across as desperate, say it's a follow-up email. All of those things like bring awareness. It's a matter now of like, what do you do with it? How do you respond to that? And so that that's some stuff that we've been building for as well. Okay, awesome, Will. My mate, I think this has been this has been an incredible episode. I think it. I'm, I've got a page of notes, man. So I've kind of written some notes around some of the stats. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back, listen to it, send it to my clients because I think it validates a lot of the work that I've been doing with them from you know from the cold email stuff. I think it's awesome. It kind of okay because I get a lot of I get a lot of pushback. I'm like, well, well, no, mate, it's too it's too short. You know, I paid you how much to write that few words, and you're like, no, trust me, it's a lot harder than you think. <laughs> that short amount of words <laughs> <laughs> it actually is like you know i did it yeah. yesterday i wrote an email i'm like man it's fucking too long like and and my colleagues are like what do you mean it's too long i said man it's just it's still too long like it's too complicated this section here yeah I, I usually if i get to that point i'll put it away i'll come back to it later one of the best ways to look at your email is to skim it and yeah. just like see where your eyes get stuck be like i'm not going to read it i'm going to just skim through it mm. and like see where my eyes like either like naturally reflex backwards upstream or like I just kind of like stop absorbing the information to usually like in a group of longer words it's usually in a long sentence it's usually in a bigger paragraph it's usually where it happens and those are your like signals where it's like I need to break that up some and shorten these ideas down yeah awesome well, Will, where, just before we finish up, what's the best place for our community, for our um, listeners to to engage and connect with you? LinkedIn, probably. That or shoot me an email. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, we're going to do a couple of things to 
to sort of bring lavender to our to our to our community. So we'll we'll definitely put the show notes of where we can connect our listeners to you with. And please, we're going to do a webinar with Will around this stuff. It's going to be awesome. And we'll try to find a way so that you can get access to this incredible platform. I'm looking at it right now. There's a, there's, a, there's a Chrome extension. It's pretty simple to use and it'll give you some incredible insight and scores on, on how you should be writing emails. So Will, mate, I just want to say thanks for you know helping and the contribution you're making and donating your time to our community. I think sellers need more people like you helping us be the best we can be, man. So I just want to say thanks. Yeah. Well, hey, I appreciate you having me on, Luigi. This is great.